Welcome to Neurons to Nirvana, a platform for creative forces that embrace the unconventional and the quest for artistry, humanity, innovation, health, and healing of the mind and soul. Join me, Tom Hartridge, on a journey celebrating experiences unbound by physical borders or traditional norms, from inside the mind to the far reaches of the universe. This is Neurons to Nirvana. Hello, ladies and gents. Today's episode is part two of my interview with comedian, podcast producer, and host Shane Moss. In the final part of my interview with Shane, we discuss several enlightening topics. Shane provides further insight into his personal experience and journey concerning his mental health. In addition, he shares his new perspective on performing as a comic during the pandemic and how being a creator and host simultaneously for two weekly podcasts is much more fulfilling currently in his career. Shane and I provide a deep dive into our philosophical views on psychedelics by sharing personal experiences and discussing the possibilities for the medicinal use of psychedelics. Shane also in detail talks about his passion and vision for both of his podcasts. Here now is part two of our refreshingly forthright discussion. I'm just kind of starting to get back into psychedelics again. It's been nothing but positive experiences. I, I, I got into ketamine a few years ago. Ketamine's, there hasn't been manic episodes in clinical settings, I don't believe. It's one of the benefits of it. A lot of bipolar people can't take antidepressants and that sort of thing because they can launch into a manic state. But ketamine, at least generally doesn't seem to have that same propensity for or that same potential for creating a manic episode trigger mania right yeah i like ketamine ketamine's great i wouldn't say that i learned that much from ketamine i've had a couple like meaningful experiences where i was like oh there's a takeaway that helps me like crystallize this idea that i've been trying to articulate for a while and I hadn't performed since COVID and I was having trouble like picturing myself back on stage. I've, my relationship with stand-up has changed since COVID and I just like, I haven't missed it at all. And I'm like a little bit... Uh, Why is that, you think? I mean, I know you've got two podcasts going on yeah, simultaneously. I, mean, I think but... I was just like run down without realizing it. And I've been <clears throat> on the road for 17 years and before right. COVID I was in like three cities a week. Not just performing, but producing. I was doing uh, various shows, mostly this show Stand Up Science, where I'd get two scientists in every city that I went to to join me on stage for a show that was like half comedy and half science. And I'd produce those shows. I would uh, I would get into the venue early. I would set stuff up. I had an assistant that would help with some of the booking and everything. But I, you know, I'd be researching beforehand I'd be putting together a slightly different show um, every night and it was a ton of work and I just I've never uh, I've never felt a need for stage time I just was back on stage for my first time in almost two years because of uh, because of COVID recently and I I definitely had a little bit of a trouble remembering a, a couple things like oh this person talked about that I'll I'll use this 
one joke of mine and like, oh, I, but I haven't told that joke in about five years and having a little bit of trouble remembering how some of the words go and You're stuff. You're talking about a meat delic? Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I saw some of your jokes that I've seen in the past, like, you know, on YouTube and <clears throat> some of your performances, but you were having trouble having the words come back. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt very comfortable on stage. Yeah, you did, But right? I was like, how does this go? I'd be halfway through something and I'd be like, oh. I just missed a crucial part of this story and I need right. to go back now and figure out how to make this make sense. I'm very rarely thinking of the actual joke that I'm telling as I'm telling it. Usually my mind is elsewhere and like constructing the next parts. And right, stuff. right. So yeah, I, I just don't, uh, I don't get like a big rush. Um, not no adrenaline rush hardly anymore. No, I'm not sure I ever really did. I I I like uh, I like podcasting, and I like when people write and something that I said like really resonates with them, and I I like sharing ideas that make people think about things in a different way. But stand up can kind of be like juvenile and limiting sometimes, and sure. it can be a lot of like babysitting sometimes, and. I just don't uh, care about the art form in the same way that I, I mean, I used to love, I, I used to watch every bit of stand-up that I could all of the time. I didn't care if it was good or bad or whatever. I just obsessively watched it. And I just don't feel that anymore. I like doing other things now more so. Did you get to speak to any of the speakers, the keynote speakers at all? I mean, not really. I was just so right. busy. It, it was I was trying to watch everyone's stuff. And yeah, yeah. Connect things, and you had to do a lot of coordination and, and yeah, keep yeah. the show going, keep track of time, of course, and get everyone on stage at the right time and off at the right time. And emceeing also isn't something that I find myself to be like particularly good at. I, I started getting better when I started producing my own shows. But I had never emceed. I'm better at it now that I do so much podcasting and conversational type stuff right. because that's that's a lot more of the vibe. But I don't have that much experience with it. I wasn't sure how it was going to go. I wasn't sure. sure. I was just like, yeah, it'll probably be fine. It was good. I had fun. Well, the reason why I was asking is uh, Dr. Dave Rabin. Do you remember his? Yeah. It was. He's great. He was one of my favorite speakers. But he was talking about going back to your personal experience with having bipolar and, and going into states of mania, he was for ketamine, but he was talking about for ayahuasca, DMT, the, the disassociative personality. Do you remember him saying that at all? No, no, oh, okay. I might have missed that part. Because I saw you up there and I thought it resonated with you. Like, huh? I thought it might make you pump your brakes or... or yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think everyone's experience is really different. There's there's certainly trends. I, I mean, it's I've, a big part of the reason why I've hardly done any psychedelics other than ketamine, which is like mm, questionably right. maybe not a psychedelic um, since that time is just because seems to be a trend that the more manic episodes you have the more manic episodes you'll have like the the every manic episode that you have makes you that much more susceptible to having more of right. them in the future because those pathways become built and and uh they get reinforced over time and stuff so 
That's a little worrying, but at the same time, after my last manic episode, that was just on the natch. That was no psychedelics or anything. I, I kind of felt like I knew how to navigate the space quite a bit better, and I didn't take any... There's no medication or anything needed. I just, like, sorted out what was happening and was able to kind of just work through some of the sort of delusions and stuff that I was having. It's it's tricky. I also get hypomanic from time to time. And hypomania is like the dream. You're exceptionally productive and creative and have tons of energy and, you know, feel great. And that's a pretty tough thing to give up. Basically, my rule with mushrooms now, even though I have, I've barely done them, at least by my old standards, I've barely done them, is that I won't do them unless I'm depressed. If I'm depressed, if it gets me from depressed to even or feeling a little better, great. But if I'm feeling good, I won't do them like, you know, to go to a concert and have a better right. time or whatever because I, I wouldn't want to elevate my mood to a manic state. So microdosing, more or less. or will you... I'm not totally sold on microdosing. No, yeah. I still like big experiences. Okay. I want to try microdosing more. I... I I tried recently, I got some mushroom microdosing stuff, some gummies, and mushrooms just make me so nauseous. If I have enough of them, I just like break through and I'm in the state fast enough that it's just like uncomfortable. You for get over that minutes. feeling, yeah, yeah. But microdosing is like, I still get almost that exact same like 30, 40 minutes of nausea without, without the tangible prof- right, profound yeah, experiences. Without, and, yeah, yeah. and so I started, uh, I started taking it before bed. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, just because I was like, I'll just sleep through the nausea and then see if like the next day I feel a little bit better. And I was doing that for a couple of weeks. And How I were just your dreams? Of, were they... Lit- I don't remember my dreams being... I remember them being a little more... Per- peculiar than normal but you know it's dreams they're weird but i i remember being i remember feeling a little more creative the following day when i would do that so i think i'm gonna experiment with that a little bit more yeah i i don't know i mean the thing with microdosing is i'm really skeptical of any way in which you're changing your neural chemistry on a regular basis. I think that one of the great things about psychedelics is you can temporarily change your neural chemistry, have these big experiences, and then have takeaways from those that can lead to some change or maybe just was a really fun time or whatever. But uh, you're, you're not, you know, it's not like a antidepressant or something like that where you, you're taking it every day. And microdosing is like... Another thing that people are potentially taking like quite regularly, yes. and it's also like I don't know. I mean, I would love to be more on top of life and more productive and everything, sure, but also it's just so it's kind of annoying that it's like, oh, you know, you know that you can do a psychedelic and like not feel anything. <laughs> right. Wow, and, and like you can do it in a cubicle, yeah. like what? That's my worst we're, nightmare. We're doing psychedelics in cubicles <laughs> in offices now? now. Yeah, like this is an acceptable way to do psychedelics. Does it make you? Does it make you better at your cubicle job? 
that's that's our measurement for the psychedelic <laughs> experience. Like, I don't know if I'm totally sold on that, to be honest. I'm sold on the idea of like experimenting with yourself and seeing yeah, what works for you. Self-exploration, for sure. Shit, if you got to be in a cubicle doing a job anyway, why not like be better at it and enjoy it a little bit more? But I don't know what I think about microdosing. I, I, and I, I literally mean that. I don't know. Right, I don't, right, I don't want people to nah. be like, Shane's against microdosing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I've never I've never stuck to a... A regimented... Uh, like, yeah, you know. I've never stuck to like the stamens or the Fragman sure. regiment or whatever in the exact way that you're, you're supposed to do it. I certainly should do that before even like blabbing about it. Like, <laughs> I, I honestly don't know enough about it. I, I, just in theory, these are these are my thoughts on I think one of the biggest mistakes people make with psychedelics is not doing enough of them in an experience I think that taking say a half dose and sort of tripping can be really disorienting you're kind of, and you're kind of, of cheating yourself on having the real uh, yeah it's like now you're just like a little confused and like kind of anxious and awkward and stuff and you're not there's uh, unlike alcohol where it's like oh i'll have one to be responsible there's there's some sort of uh threshold that you need to cross to in my opinion like be tripping and you don't want to be like almost tripping i'm for i'm for bigger doses not like also, well, the idea of of a heroic dose being five grams of mushrooms, I think, is foolish. I don't. I actually don't think five grams of mushrooms is an unreasonable amount of mushrooms to take for a lot of people. I've seen first timers take five grams of mushrooms right. and have really, really fantastic, impactful experiences and not lose their mind. I've seen way more people have like, oh, I'll just do like a gram. And then just like be disappointed or like just not get anything out of it. And which is fine if you're prepared to like, you know, I'm playing it safe while recognizing that this might not be enjoyable. And if it's not enjoyable, it's not necessarily the fault. Uh, it's not necessarily that same mushrooms or whatever. It's not for me. I just may not have gotten that threshold dose to get the positive benefits out of it. I think the playing it safe with the half dose, the, the half doses are cut out of the MAPS MDMA trials. They tried them for a while. They made people confused. They were worse than the placebo group. And I asked this guy once doing one of the studies, I was like, why aren't you just doing two full doses right from Jump Street? That's been my experience. <laughs> like I've, I've given mushrooms to so many people. Sure. And they're like, oh, we did, we started we started doing that now. We cut out the half dose out of the, out of the protocol. So I mean, it, it seems like a reckless thing to tell people do more, and I think it's like really stupid to do like ten hits of acid or something like that. But I mean, unless you're super fucking experienced and like, if you're a true psychonaut, like yeah, sure, the path that you're on or whatever, and and uh, but but certainly for your first time or something, that's. That's kind of crazy. That's not ideal at no. all whatsoever. So of all the psychedelics, what's your least favorite? Do you have one? LSD? Or? Probably LSD. 
It just but lasts I, so I fucking long. <laughs> it lasts so long, and I'm like hyper functional on it yeah. always. I'm just like I, I'm always like. Well, now I just want to like clean my room. <laughs> right. That's usually what I end up doing on acid. Is just like organizing my room or like doing like chores and stuff like that. It's you're like, not even going out in nature. Or, yeah, I do sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it, it, that's nice. And it, I feel like I've never done enough acid. I've done like some larger, like four or five hits of acid or whatever. And it's just never gotten me to the same sort of place that like experiences like I've had on mushrooms. I'm also apprehensive about doing more than that because I've met way too many people that have taken like 15 hits of acid and they're just fucking strange. Like, Point of no return. They've fried maybe, their brains. Maybe a little unfair to say they've fried their brains. And like but. a lot of it, a lot of times <laughs> when you talk to someone like that, they like, it was fairly recent. Right. And they've still been like doing regular acid trips and stuff like that. And I've seen people that seem like they're out there real out there and and not aware of it so yeah acid's acid's probably my least favorite do you have a least favorite probably acid lsd i've taken in college i went to the university of georgia i I had some pretty profound experiences but also uh probably the worst experience i ever had on lsd (laughs) was uh, i took it with a friend he had a vial We'd been drinking bourbon, like Jack Daniels or something, and he had it in his freezer, <laughs> and he he squirted it way too much because yeah. he was shit faced. And then I'm freaking out, and I end up going over to my girlfriend's dorm room, and uh, it was an all girls dorm, and that was tripping me out because I you know I have to go into the the communal for guests, the bathroom, and I remember I had to take a shit. Yeah, and having all these girls come in from the bars, and it was just like the worst experience. Because you know how you get lost in a bathroom if you're tripping oh, too yeah. hard. It's uh, and now you're just taking a huge shit in the ladies' and, bathroom. In yeah, in the girls' dorm, and so it was like horrific. Yeah, and my girlfriend at the time she didn't know. She, I think she had eaten LSD once, and so she had heard, like, a tale, so she was giving me candy and put on big, and I'm watching Tom Hanks, <laughs> you know, face just sort of melt. Yeah. And uh, and then I had to go the next day in for English class for a, uh in-class essay. Uh-huh. And I got an 86, and it was, like, the proudest I've ever been of any B-plus in my entire fucking life. Yeah, yeah. But LSD, there's something about it that it's not plant-based, so that kind of freaks me out because you don't know who the hell has made that bathtub gin. Right, right, You know? Right, right. right. uh, So it seems a lot more dangerous or dicey to me personally. You hear stories where it kind of just sticks with you. Uh, I've talked to people where they still see, like, the little squirmy visions from time to time oh man i hate the squirmies i mean they're fun for they're fun for like a half hour (laughs) but like even 12 hours of them or whatever on an lsd trip is like all right these stupid squirmies like it's just not that interesting Uh, right of course of the ones that that we talked that the speakers were talking about what do you think has the best potential 
to help people with battling depression, MDMA, psilocybin. Yeah, I think I think psilocybin for sure. I do too. I, I mean, I think I think MDMA as a couples therapy is great. And fam- family <laughs> therapy, yeah. Um, like, I mean, you think about family as like parents and kids going into the therapist's office, but man, it would be nice to do MDMA assisted like group family therapy like with my aunts and uncles and like clear some shit off. Oh wow. <laughs> you know. That would be like literally trippy as shit. Yeah, yeah. But you could probably handle it well because you're in such a great mood. Yeah, yeah. That you wouldn't be pushing the envelope too much or offending them because yeah. you'd be so gentle with your message. Like, oh by yeah. the way I mean, there's so many individual differences is the thing. Like, ketamine is absolutely life-changing for some people. To me, ketamine is just super fun and interesting. I I haven't really... Very few times. I've done a fair amount of ketamine. It's very dissociative. Like... Yeah, you have those. It's like weird and disorienting, and I like that. It's like a fun adventure, but I, I wouldn't say that I've felt like relief of depression or anything like that from ketamine. Other people absolutely do. It is quite a bit more effective in people that have never done a psychedelic before because just, you know, seeing a completely different point of view for the very first time ever. And right. Like, oh, my God, there's more than just this perception. That's that's life-changing to... To know that there's just more than this waking perception that we're just stuck in all of the time. That's why I, I wish people wouldn't be so dogmatic and like, I saw the truth. Like, <laughs> I'm not sure that you did, but it's awesome that you got to see something very different than our waking perception. It's not that I think this waking perception is like the, some ultimate truth or whatever either. It's a, 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 at best a, a guess at what's going on, but uh, in a pretty biased one for a lot of evolutionary reasons. To be able to experience consciousness in such a novel way for the first time is probably going to be impactful for a, a lot of people. I mean, hopefully they're not in you know, a very difficult situation that ends up creating like a PTSD sort of total spiral. Yeah. 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 I mean, it sounds like your story was negatively impactful. You recovered from it just fine. There's people that, you know, have a real freak out the first time on psychedelics cause they're at a concert or something yeah, like yeah. that and don't, you know, know what to expect and have too much or whatever else. So, yeah, I mean, my vote is for psilocybin for sure. But, um, it's not for everyone. And there's there's like the LSD people listening right now. That are, like, are you kidding me? LSD is the only thing. And that's like, that's just because it hits you different than it hits me. Or give me Albert Hoffman or, or Owsley's like, like a, you know, I yeah, just, yeah. you don't ever know where it's really coming from. Yeah, that, that's yeah. my concern. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to mushrooms or yeah. from the earth. Yeah. You know, well, hopefully things are changing. Hopefully. What do you foresee? How much longer? I mean, we've got Oregon, of course, that's made it uh, legal, uh, somewhat in a therapeutic setting with psilocybin. Do you see any other states? It's decriminalized in Denver, but do you see any other states going that way in the near future? Or do you think it's going to 
be some lag time and take a while. I generally just don't have all that much faith in humanity, generally <laughs> speaking, but especially when it comes to strange novel experiences and when it comes to um, um, issues of like really complex thinking. I mean, it's just harder to do. It's harder to have, it's harder to have intelligent thoughts. It's just easier to grab low hanging fruit and stuff. Like if you're dumb, (laughs) there is endless entertainment options for you. Oh Uh, yeah. You know, there's just, and every channel has like all sorts of dopey, shit that you can get into you can hit up like any fucking bar and get hammered I, but i'm not shitting on any like there's geniuses at nasa that want to like blow off some steam and turn off their brain and you know have some drinks and watch some stupid like singing contest on tv <laughs> or whatever right. and, and uh but you know there's if if you want something really novel and creative and like challenging and complex that takes more work and it's just harder to build. I mean, like it is, so there's just not that many options for you. I mean, then there's opportunity there. If you look at like what area 15 is doing, I think they're still new and still working out, you know, a, a, some of the stuff is a little like Spencer's gifty at the moment, yeah. but it it will continue to get better and more creative with like the help of Meow Wolf and things like that. I, I think um, taking off that that will only get better, and you know, uh, there's it, it, and certainly it's, it's just a it's just like a willingness and a and a wanting to have those things. I think anyone's like smart enough to watch some fucking TED talks or take an online course or whatever, but there's not like, there's not a real demand. There's just not the willingness there and, or the desire. Yeah. And so we, we can sit here and say like, yeah, mushrooms and you can have all these amazing creative thoughts or you can get better at, you know, they inspire, uh, you know, new, and inventions and stuff all all these great minds that have been influenced by psychedelics in the past and i just don't think many people care i just don't think i mean i think a lot of people are just fucking run down and yeah working their nine to five and want to like watch some sports afterwards and not think too much about stuff and uh, like that's totally fine i was at a blackjack table last night it's free bet blackjack it's just a different rule where you uh instead of putting up your own money for a double down or a split um you uh the the house will do it for you the trade-off is the dealer pushes on 22 that's it pretty much that that's that's the rule uh it's it's not it's not that much different than regular blackjack. And, you know, there's some, like, uh, you know, drunk-ish, like, you know, rednecky kind of couple walks by and they're about to sit down and they're, 
They're like, what's this? And the dealer's like, oh, this is free bet blackjack. And, and he tries to just quick explain that, which took me like 15 seconds sure. to explain. Yeah. And they're just like, that's too much thinking for me. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's well, it's not actually. Like, I promise you, you could sit down and understand it. You learned blackjack in the first place. But like, yeah, you want to just do the thing that you're used to. Your money's on the line and everything else. And like, I don't fault someone for not wanting to learn a few new rules and sure. in, in, in some dumb blackjack game. But it just goes to, but that's like, but that's the de- I think it's the default for people to just kind of stick with what they know, yeah. Not want to take on new things, stay in their siloed lives, so to speak. So I, I mean, I, I, I'm not overly optimistic about the psychedelic movement moving really fast, just because it's like I'm not pessimistic about it. I'm just like, eh, well. We'll see what happens, and I'll believe it when I see it. Um, but uh, there's a lot of differences between weed and psych. I mean, the money with cannabis is like to give give people to sell something to people that they might take every day. That might be this like really social thing that right. they might share with friends, and you can just like quick take a hit and it's not a big deal and walk around or that that's a very different thing than you know taking psilocybin three times a year with intention and like thinking about it as a therapeutic tool and like integrating afterwards and making notes and being inspired to be creative (laughs) and also having like these kind of weird and sometimes scary experiences and stuff like that. And I, I'm just not as hopeful in terms of, in terms of for clinical use and clinical treatment. I think that'll, I think that's, that's going to be moving pretty quickly, but recreational and even the therapy side of things, it's like, you got to figure out how to, you know, that's an eight-hour therapy session. That's a, that's a new model of medicine to figure out and understand and train and everything else. And so it's, I don't know, I think, I think it's, I think it's uh, super complicated. I, I'm, I'm hopeful from the therapeutic side of things. I'm, I'm not as hopeful about, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean... I can certainly see why people are excited to invest in like, oh, if mushrooms become legal, this is going to be a huge opportunity and I will have missed out by not investing my zero money that I have to invest. <laughs> right. But um, I'm just not quite as hopeful uh, in terms of that. But, I mean, if you if you would have told me when I was... 16 that like a glimpse of the future and weed shops and everything else like you wouldn't have believed it no way yeah of course so So, f uh mdma that's what in its third trial isn't that correct that's i think that they're going to be finished finished the phase three trial by the end of the year right um last i um, her, you know, talking with some uh, people that work with maps pretty recently, and 
that's the way I made it sound. I've I've heard things in the past that uh, you know, like milestones that didn't quite come to fruition when they were hoping and anticipating. And I think we all kind of underestimate how long things take, and uh, and especially people as positive as like Rick Doblin and I mean you you need to be sure an optimist to be Rick Doblin because yeah. he's he's faced a lot of challenges and done it really well and so I, th- I think some of the time frames are a little optimistic um, and just having having it be approved for clinical use it doesn't mean it's going to be legal in every state it doesn't mean there's going to be training in place it doesn't mean it's going to be done properly in places either i don't know how all yeah there's so many variables for sure um so tell me about your two podcasts uh sure yeah let's let's do some plugs yeah yeah so my podcast, Here We Are, I've had for, I think, eight years this month. I interview a different scientist each week. It's, uh, you know, it's, they're academics, and so it's a little more, generally you need to have a little more of a t- an attention span. So there's, you know, there's some podcasts you can listen to and tune in and out of, and then there's podcasts that... Uh, like a lot of my listeners will listen when they're like in the bath or something like that and relaxing because <laughs> right. they can pay attention a little bit more. Um, so, you know, um, that's that's one vibe. And then my other podcast that I think is a lot more accessible is Mind Under Matter. Uh, I just started it this year and it's a comedy and philosophy podcast and share science ideas and stuff. And it's my my podcasting partner Ramin Nazer, who's an incredible artist, and he. So I interview scientists. He interviews like mystics and artists and stuff like that. So we have some slightly different takes and ways of thinking about things, and we're, uh, you know, best friends and have have had really great um, conversations about motivation and mental health and that sort of thing over the years and so we just started recording them and putting them out there and it uh so it's pretty visually interesting we add animation and art and a bunch of other stuff as well so yeah you can check us out on instagram and go to mindunderpod.com to check it out and see all of remains art and everything else too so yeah and just go to shane moss m-a-u-s-s dot com you can find out more about me Nice. Uh, one last thing I have to ask you. I've seen you talk about you think that life is a simulation, <laughs> possibly. Uh, do I? Um, I thought I saw something about that. I mean, DMT or at least you. Well, you, I mean, I've, I've come up with a lot of different ways of like figuring out what the DMT experience is. Right. I don't. I'm not, if this universe is a simulation, whatever made this simulation isn't like sitting around fiddling with it, in my opinion. It was just like, here's just this program, we're just going to run it and see what happens, sort of a thing. Um, You know, the 
they do scientists do that now with running models or like big data programming or whatever it's not you're not in there fussing with the the algorithms are working too fast for you to even know what sure. the hell they're doing you just kind of plug a bunch of stuff in and let it go and that's like a universe in and of itself and so is there like some sort of simulator or some sort of um computational thing that created the universe that we're in i don't know i'm not uh i'm not super interested in it um i mean i'm i'm interested intellectually i don't think it really matters that much on the day-to-day other than i think that um i think that i, I have seen simulation theory lead to one denial of reality in uh, some people. And then I've also seen um, a lot of ego attached to simulation theory where people think they're like fucking Neo from the Matrix and they saw through the thing that everyone else can't, all us dumb sheeple can't see through the Matrix in the way that they can. And and, uh, so, yeah, I'm not overly into simulation i mean if you listen to the here we are podcast much of it's about evolution and uh, how evolution shaped our minds and our perceptions and our cognitive biases and why we perceive things in the way that we do from our mate preferences to uh, status seeking to even how we spend money or uh, value various resources or advertise ourselves in in different ways and kind of uh, have a look at that through an evolutionary lens. Um, might have been a simulator that kicked off the universe and the Big Bang and the evolutionary process, but they haven't touched the program since that Ever time. since, yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know if you know, Jefferson believed in deism. Uh, basically, God wound the clock and then stepped away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that sort of theory. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's in my mind, no way of proving or disproving that. And so, I mean, I, I guess the, the, uh, the thing that I see a lot in like, you know, especially in the psychedelic community, there's a lot of, well, no one knows everything. And therefore my idea is the the answer. No one has all the answers. So therefore here's my answer and it's dogma. (laughs) Right. Right. You you can't. Uh, the, I mean, I've been arguing with religious people my entire life, so this is just like a very common. You just like shift the bo- goalpost enough, and then you kind of. Uh, there's a lot of like trying to claim the real estate of the unknown, like because oh, none of us fucking know. Yeah, so you go like, yes, but what started the Big Bang? Aha! You don't exactly know. Well, therefore. Jesus was a dude that died and was resurrected 10,000 years ago. Like, whoa, whoa, what? Or 2,000 years ago, sorry. Bible thought the world was 10,000 years ago. Of course. But but the the idea that, and that's not to shit on Christian, I was raised Catholic, but the the idea that, that, like, because no one knows, that then makes, like, whatever these old stories or myths are more true in some way just has never really resonated with me. Right. That's me. But DMT, did that ever alter or make you think about not being an atheist at any point? Or did it in, 
Well, yeah, I mean, your spirituality did it change? Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm like more agnostic or anything. I, right. I'm certainly, if I'm just like reporting a DMT experience and what it experientially feels like, right? You know, it seems very mystical and spiritual and everything else. But then I, you know, I I take those experiences afterwards and think about, well, what if the subconscious is generating it why would the subconscious generate something in that way and i think that there's plenty of reasons why you might have these experiences and they might look the way that they do that are that make plenty of sense i think that we all have very we all wear a lot of hats in life sure i think that we have various sub selves in our minds that we tap into that might have kind of their own lives running um, running kind of uh, um, simulations of future events in our in our minds, and that those worlds, those kind of spaces where um, the uh, you, you know I might be driving and thinking about a conversation that I need to have with a friend or so we do this all of the time. We're constantly running simulations in of in our head of, of, of future events or replaying past events. And I think that uh that there's just like a multiverse of that going on in the subconscious that we aren't generally privy to until you need to access a certain memory or whatever. And I think that in those spaces, the way that memory is consolidated and stored, and and the the way that uh, that those um, you know different emotional drives and everything influence uh, influence um, our our minds on a uh, subconscious level is just if you gain access to and you get to see that, I just think it looks and feels a lot different than this conscious experience, just in the same way that computer programming looks different than the intuitive um, uh, interface of a computer that you look at. And then the la- I guess the very last question I want to ask, have you done Bufo to... Yeah, you burn your no bufo. Oh, really? It's the toad venom or whatever. Smoking the yeah, toad yeah, venom. Yeah. I have not yet. Have you? No. Yeah. Um, I've been meaning to. I would like to. <laughs> yeah, I'm a little apprehensive about yeah, it. Yeah, so but. am I. But it, it's people describe it as like more, like the next level, like beyond beyond like, regular DMT. Regular DMT, but it's also but people that. I think actually know what they're talking about a lot more. Um, it's just the similarities between 5-MeO DMT and and NDMT are simply that they both have um, the acronym DMT in them, and that's where the similarities end. Right. And so, I I don't think that they should probably be compared. Um, but just like. Uh, but you know, we try to compare ketamine to psilocybin and stuff like that, and that's a you know odd comparison. To Very odd, too. yeah. So, Very strange. But, well, these are all experiences that alter your perception in a very intense and strange way. Right. So uh, you've got the two podcasts, and you don't think you'll be doing any touring comedy in the near future or I'm putting together some stuff I'm just waiting to hear back on uh, on a few things what I'd 
I'd uh, when I started making this podcast Mind Under Matter this year with my friend Ramin, he's also a fantastic stand-up comedian. Right. And we had hopes of maybe starting a to tour with it in April, um, and like when it's like it hits a year mark. If we get enough of an audience, I'm not sure we're going to have enough of an audience one year in to justify a full tour, but maybe we'll figure that out. But um, since that time, so I, I had... I had anticipated things kind of getting back to normal COVID-wise in spring of next year for, you know, pretty much pretty much from the beginning. For a while I thought I'd be I thought that things might be back by fall of this year and new vaccines and stuff would be out. I'm lucky enough to get to talk with virologists and stuff that make pretty have made pretty nice predictions through this whole thing. And uh, it's helped me kind of plan accordingly. So I know everyone's touring and stuff right now, but there's still some. Not just just because you go to a restaurant and you see a restaurant is full, and you're like, oh, I guess everyone's <laughs> comfortable now. You don't realize how many people are staying home and not comfortable going to restaurants, and that impacts ticket sales, and that True. that impacts the amount of money that I need to spend in marketing and planning things, and it's. Uh, it's challenging so I think things will be less challenging by next spring but since that time now I've lined up some other things that I I can't quite say uh, there hasn't been like contracts signed right, but I'm excited about and so I'll, I'll have more info soon but I'm super excited about my podcast especially Mind Under Matter I mean here we are is just like it's mostly for me just because I get to learn so much and I get a free education and it's awesome that people come along for the ride as well. But uh, Mind Under Matter, I think, will be the podcast that is, it, it's, it just has a larger target demographic and I think that'll be the one that gets a lot more traction. So I've, I've just been really thrilled about it. And my buddy remains amazing, so who knows if we end up like pitching it as a TV show or something like that, or what it might lead to later on. I'm I'm just pretty jazzed on that project right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, uh, I can't thank you enough for taking the time. Yeah, thanks, thanks it for was, having me. Yeah, man. Good luck with the the podcast. Yeah, and you've gotten so many great people so far, so you're doing great. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, thanks so much. If you haven't heard it, please listen to us. I've heard it. I've heard a couple episodes. The one on ADHD. That was, that was oh, nice. Good stuff. Yeah, 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 that was fun. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Check it out. Oh, thank you. All right. Thanks, Shane. Hopefully, you all out there can understand why I broke my great conversation with Shane into two parts. Now, moving on to a topic that is closely related to my interview with Shane, but something that I am deeply concerned and passionate about. It is becoming increasingly apparent that the mental health crisis is becoming more and more of an epidemic outright itself in today's society. Therefore, I am very excited to share my interview with you in the next episode with Dr. Lisa Vallejos. Dr. Vallejos has a PhD in psychology and she has been featured in Allure Magazine, the Denver Post, San Francisco Chronicle, CNN, and many more. Dr. V is a powerful voice in psychology and social justice. I look forward to sharing Dr. V's views on the current socioeconomic and racial disparity within the practice of therapy in today's cultural climate. We will cover several glaring issues that she is passionate about during our discussion. 
In the meantime, I want to thank all of you out there for listening, and I wish you a happy holiday season. And until next time, this is Neurons to Nirvana. Nirvana.